Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome to Authentic Church. If you're new to our church, uh, we have a simple vision here at Authentic, and that is that we would be a place, that this would be a house, a community of faith, where people would encounter God, that they discover community and fulfill God's call on their life. I don't know that you'll make it in this world if you don't have a community of people with you. I don't know how you make it through the Christian life without having an encounter with God. Like he, he desires to encounter you. He's a relationship God. He's not this far off God that you can never come to, never talk to. No, he's a God that wants to be up close and personal with you. And you know, uh, we're jumping into week two of a series that we titled Fearless and Free. And it's really a series that is combating and giving tools in our proverbial tool belt to combat fear, anxiety, and depression. And one thing about God, God has one reality, but he operates in two realms. So the two realms is an is unseen realm, and then there's the seen realm. You and I, we live in the seen realm. But as Christians, we're citizens of also with an unseen realm. And uh, while we're on this earth, Jesus said, you will face trials. I, I know that's maybe anti some of the, the positive prosperity preachers that are out there, but Jesus' words himself, he said, you're going to face trials. And when those trials come, who's in your boat? It's not that you'll never have trials. It's not that you're ever, never going to face storms. It's that Jesus promises to be with you in your boat when you go through those storms. In fact, the most repeated uh, uh, command in Scripture is not a suggestion. It's a command in Scripture. The most repeated command is do not fear. It's not love. It's not forgive. It's do not fear. Why is that the most repeated command? Because God knew when he created you that you're going to face fears. He knew when he created you, you're going to face challenges in life that you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel pressed down. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to have anxious thoughts that are going to try to rob your mind and, and rob your mental state. He knew that that was going to happen. So more than any command in the entire Bible, he says, do not fear. Do not fear. I'm going to be with you. So we kicked off uh, the sermon series last week talking about David. And we highlighted some things, and my, my heartbeat was really to take some of the stigma out of anxiety, depression, fear. Like if you've ever dealt with anxiety, depression, or fear, that's just part of being human, okay? It doesn't mean you're less of a dad. It doesn't mean you're less of a mom, that you're less of a Christian, you mighty person of faith. No, it just means you have you have a side of humanity that we all have, and at some point in life, we're all going to face it. And, and, and my hope is that if you're dealing with that, and you're in this room today, that you don't hide it. What you bring to the light, when you bring it out, and rather than hide it, when you bring it to the light, God can do something with it. If you're just trying to hold on to it, and you won't take any advice, or get help, or what have you, well, then all you're going to do is you're going to get more into yourself, and you end up becoming like that National Geographic scene we've all seen, right, where there's the, the herd of gazelle, and they're running, and the lion comes out, and he looks to pick off the one that's all by himself. That's exactly where Satan wants to get you. And so if you're here today, and you're finding yourself in kind of a season of life, maybe it feels overwhelming. Maybe you have some anxious thoughts. I mean, good night. You, if you read the news 
there might be a little bit of fear that could hit you. And I just want to encourage you today that you don't have to live in that place. So we're going to unpack some stuff in our spiritual tool belts today that will, that will be a great resource for us. You know, um, Satan is the cruelest person that I know, the cruelest, the meanest, most evil. When you think that you can get any worse, he just, he just tries to go uh, full clothes on you. He wants to wrap you up. He wants you to tap out. And, in, and Jesus talked about him in John 8, 44. He says, the devil's a murderer from the beginning. Like, that's who he is. When you think of the most evil, murderous person in the world, I promise you, behind that person was the devil. He doesn't hold anything onto the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. And right now in this world, a recent study came out, and it showed that uh, they're, they're, they're calling it an inner pandemic. And the inner pandemic is that 44% of all teenagers in the United States of America are presently experiencing disabling episodes of depression or anxiety. 44%. And that's just of who they could actually track. If that's what they're tracking, how much is probably even higher than that? You're talking almost half of every teenager. You see two teenagers walking down the street, chances are one of them is going to be dealing with it. Out of a million, 500,000 are dealing with it. Out of 25 million, half of our, I mean, think, just do the numbers, right? I mean, that's, that's an astonishing amount. They're calling it uh, the new NCD, which is a non-communicable disease pandemic. It's a non-communicable, but they're saying this is of pandemic proportions. And uh, one article that I read from a guy, he says, we are, we are urgently needing innovative solutions that have both evidence-based and that are that are evidence-based and also scalable. And so they're trying to find what's what's the source of this. I can tell you what the source is. They didn't ask me. The, the source is the devil. Behind it all, the devil has a, he's got a mission. He wants to kill, steal, destroy. He wants to wipe out this generation. He wants to wipe out your generation. Every every generation has had their own rise of an Antichrist. They've had their own big issue that tried to hit and take out that generation. And the next generation is no different. David said this in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. He says, he was greatly distressed, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. So he's feeling all the feels, but rather than living in that place, he decided, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And our hope is that this series, these four weeks of teachings, will be a resource to you and friends and family that you might know that really are going through it. And if you're not going through it, maybe a few years down the line, God forbid, but if you do go through it, that you can go back and you can look at this. But I want to provide you, in addition to the four weeks that we're going to be sharing this uh, over the course of this series, I want to give you some other resources that I highly recommend. Um, if you're looking for a good read, here's some resources that I highly recommend. Uh, one of my favorites is Switch On Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She has in there a 21-day brain detox. It's phenomenal. Highly recommend that. And then our own Nicole Edgman actually has, you can get this in, in Amazon, but no, a lot of people don't know Nicole that was just up here. She's actually an author, speaker, counselor, conference speaker, et cetera. She's kind of a big deal, uh, and we love and appreciate her. You are. And um, anyways, but her book, Braving the Brokenness, is phenomenal. Been a great resource. I know a number of you have read that and attended her groups. And then another one, The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer, great one. And then Out of the Cave by a pastor named Chris Hodges, phenomenal communicator, great guy in the body of Christ, doing a lot of great things. So I want to provide those resources to you. If you want to screenshot or take a picture of it, you're more than welcome to. Um, I'm going to pray, 
And then we're going to jump into the Word of God today, amen, because I know you didn't come to hear a man speak. Hopefully you came here to hear God speak. So let's pray and let's ask Him to speak today, amen. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, thank You. Thank You for Your kindness. God, thank You for the, the babies that were dedicated, the, 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 the warriors that are being raised up in Your house, God, and the parents that are, are, are committing their kids to the things of You. Thank You, God. And today we just commit ourselves to You. Right now in this moment, God, we just lean into you. Thank you, Father, for removing thoughts of anybody's minds in here that's not of you, that they are loved, called, chosen, that you're for them, you're not against them, that you have good plans for them. And so, Lord, we lean into that. God, I pray the smile of God would fill hearts and minds this morning. And, Lord, we ask that you'd breathe on your word as we go through this, this, these words and the scriptures and, and the teaching today. God, help us. Would you speak to us? Give us a truth that we can hold on to. We thank you, Lord God. We pray your blessing upon our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. This is a famous passage of scripture. In fact, 1 Kings 18 and 19 are probably, uh, if there was two chapters that are probably the most complete chapters that are used as preaching material in sermons, these would probably be them. In 1 Kings 18, there's the, this uh, mighty battle that goes down between the prophet of God and a man named Elijah and the prophets of Baal. They were false prophets. They were puppets in the king's hands, kind of a bit of a puppeteer there. And uh, Elijah wouldn't bend. He stood strong for the things of God. And so there's a, a battle that goes down. And long story short, 850 prophets get annihilated, 450 of the prophet of Baal, 400 prophets for the uh, prophet of Shira. And so these false prophets go down and the mighty man of God rises and stands strong. And then this happens. First Kings chapter 19, verse one. If you're with me, say amen. amen. All right. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent, this is the, Jezebel's Ahab's wife. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, I'm, I'm going to send people to kill you. Elijah, verse three, was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Mistake number one, and some of you, as we read this, you know, some of you, you're, you're runners. You're runners. You run from intimacy. You run from relationships. You run from commitment. You run from help uh, because you've been hurt so badly. Uh, you're a bit of maybe a wounded warrior. Maybe there's some wounded warriors in the room today. And I just want to encourage you. You're in a place where the Lord wants to heal those areas if you'll allow him to. Verse 4. Elijah, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he leaves his servant and he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. <laughs> I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So here is Elijah. He's alone. Uh, he's tired. He's highly emotional. And this is when the devil does his best work. When you're tired, when you're alone, when you're feeling emotional, that's when he loves to come. And sneaky little guy comes in the back door of the, of the house 
and he tries to give you his worst. And that's what happens. Fear and anxiety and depression can come on you in those moments. And those, when you feel that feeling, those are actually warning signs in your brain telling you to do something about it, okay? It's like if any of you have a, a, a vehicle and you've ever had that warning light come on. I remember a buddy of mine and I, we're, we're, on, we're, we're working together and we're doing these business calls and we're zipping all over the place in Seattle. And he had this check engine light that kept coming on. But he's like, dude, we'll get to the meeting. I don't know what this is. I have to take it to a mechanic tomorrow. The check engine light kept coming on. And literally we get like halfway across one of the bridges across Lake Washington and uh, the, the car does not work anymore. The check engine light actually was, we were out of gas. <laughs> so here we are on this bridge and got a call for it, and there's no real way to get off. You're just stopping traffic. It was awesome and embarrassing. And so you're just hanging, that, that fear, anxiety, and depression, that's that warning light. And if you don't pull over, you'll just run out of gas. And, and our hope is that if you need to pull over and get help, Man, pull over. Nothing is more important than you. Nothing you're doing is more important than your health. If you don't have your health, someday you won't have you. And there's too many people that have given their lives up to suicide who did not listen to the warning signals. This is what happened to the prophet Elijah. Now, the prophet Elijah, if you're not familiar with who he is, he's actually one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And uh, heaven validates this because during the transfiguration of Jesus, what happens? Who shows up? The prophet Elijah and Moses. King David's not there. Isaac's not there. Abraham's not there. Elijah's there. Moses is there. Elijah said yes to the things of God. Uh, he, he prophesied that there would be a drought, and there was one. Then he prophesied later on there's going to be rain, and there was rain. Uh, he, he healed the, rose, rose, uh, the, the, the widow's son back from the dead, uh, God used him mightily to provide supernaturally for the widow in Zarephath. Like, I mean, he, he saw some stuff, man. Like, you know, I mean, he did some cool stuff, right? And, and in, in 1 Kings 18, one chapter, just a few verses before what we just read in 1 Kings 19, just one chapter before, he has like the day of all days for ministry. King Ahab is leading the children of Israel in a wrong way. And he's married to this woman, Jezebel, who's nuts. And so they're, they're doing these things with, and they're calling the people of God and they're leading them in a direction for the children of Israel that's away from what God had planned. And Elijah, he gets all political and he stands up and he's like, this is not right. Some people say, church shouldn't be in politics. Well, there was, you should tell that to God because you look at the prophet Elijah, he was involved in politics. Esther was involved in politics. John the Baptist got beheaded because calling out uh, the, the, the Herod at that time. And so, I mean, like there's, there's people that got involved in politics, but it wasn't for the sake of pushing an agenda. It was all about the sake of calling sin, sin and saying, we need to come back to the things of God. And that's what he did. So he calls out Ahab. Ahab, by the way, was the most, one of the most conquering kings. If I, if I asked you, who was the most conquering king in all the history of Israel? Most people would say who? David. He wasn't. Solomon, his son, was the most conquering king. After Solomon was King Ahab, King David was third on that list in terms of conquering and expanding territory. And King Ahab marries Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, this is a whole nother story, but Jezebel, essentially, she gets given in marriage to Ahab. She didn't want to marry him. 
She gets given in marriage by her dad who's trying to form an alliance so that their nation can live at peace, so it's all self-motivated. He's like, here, take one of my daughters. So Jezebel gets kicked out of the house and marries Ahab. And things don't go well. She's controlling. She's manipulative. Uh, she's like the author, the daughter of confusion. And she runs rampant in the house. It goes to show that even a conquering king like Ahab, if you don't have your house in order, nothing's gonna go right. Like what good is it a man to gain the whole world but lose his family in the process? Not good. And so King Ahab and Jezebel are there. And by the way, if you've ever been tormented by a Jezebelic spirit or if you've ever encountered somebody that's been tormented by a Jezebelic spirit, one of the common denominators, not this, is, this isn't across the board, but usually one of the common denominators is the Jezebelic spirit comes from a deep father wound, lack of identity and love from the father, and a mom who wore the pants. That was the story of Jezebel. Deep father wound and a mom who wore the pants. That's why it's important for us as men to lead our families. Like we saw with Marcelo up here with his daughter Grace and Peter up here with his son Zeeland. So fear, anxiety, depression, what does it do? Makes you irrational. That's what Jezebel, uh, she spewed out her lies on Elijah. Elijah's feeling, he's irrational, right? He, he's in a confusion. He isolates himself. He's robbed of joy. He's depleted of hope. What do I do? All right. So I want to share four mistakes that Elijah made, and then that's the bad news, but it's kind of good news because it gives you an idea. Don't make these mistakes. And then I'm going to share five ways to get out of it, all right? So this is going to be more of a teaching session today. So if you came to take notes, man, you're my favorite person in the room, okay? It's going to be a lot of notes to take. Four mistakes Elijah made. Number one, he had life in balance. Like he was tired. The brother did not rest. He didn't take time just to rest and be with God after this incredible victory. And a lot of times that's when devil will hit you. When you come off of a victory and you think everything's good and you let down your guard. That's what Elijah did. Second area, he started to compare himself all these thoughts. Comparison, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Another thing that he had is this ruminating self-talk, uh, like a cow. Anybody, cow's a ruminating animal. Do you guys know what that means? Ruminating. So the cow eats, right? They take it all in, and then what do they do? They vomit it up in their mouth, and they're like, hmm, I'm going to eat that again, and then they eat it again and chew on it, and then they swallow, and they're like, I'm hungry, and then they vomit it up, and they eat it again. That's what we can do with negative self-talk, and if we're not careful, we'll end up in a cave just like Elijah did, okay? Watch that self-talk. Uh, Brian Tracy, he had this uh, quote to say. Brian Tracy, he said, 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. 95%. Philippians 4.8, this is a, a key scripture for us in the House of Authentic. Philippians 4.8, and this is in the Passion Translation, it says, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is, say it with me, authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful, and keep your thoughts. Writer goes on to say, what, uh, goes on to say, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God praising him always. Guard your thoughts. If you don't guard your thoughts, your thoughts become words. Words carry power. A good rule of thumb is this. Pray about it more than you talk about it. Pray about it more than you talk about it. Ever been around somebody and all they want to do is just talk about your problems? 
Like maybe you have a coworker and it's like all they want to talk about is your problems. And you're like, oh, there's Bill. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, you're like, you don't want to be around that guy, right? And, and, and there's, a, there's a time to talk through things. Trust me. I've gone through counseling. My wife and I, we have monthly marriage counseling. There's good times and good things to do when you're getting counsel and you need input and you just need to learn how to talk about it in the right, healthy way. But there comes a time where you just need to stop that and we just go to God and let's pray about it. So again, Elijah's four mistakes. What do you have? Number one, he had life imbalances. Number two, he was involved in comparison. Comparison's the thief of joy. Number three, he had horrible self-talk. And number four, he found himself in isolation. He was alone. You know, the first human problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. The first human problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. This is why God said in Genesis 2.18, after creating, he says, all these things were good, and then he looks at man and he said, that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Romans 12.5, we're parts of one body, and we belong what? To each other. We belong together. We need each other. So back to the story. So Elijah leaves his servant. He goes, he whines and cries to God. He sits under this broom bush. And then all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. That's pretty good. If God's telling you to get up and eat, that's a good word, all right? Verse six. So he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Another translation says cake. That's like the first angel food cake, all right? That's a lame pastor joke. That's a lame pastor joke. Baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate, drank, and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and he drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night. God loved Elijah so much that in his dark hour, he sent a special messenger. If you're sitting here today and you're in that dark hour, could I just please beg you as a pastor, would you just allow me to be that special messenger in your life in this moment? Just to encourage you. You're gonna make it. It's gonna work out. Maybe not the way you thought it would. It's gonna work out. That area of your heart that's hurting right now, God sees that. He wants to touch it. He wants to heal it. He's concerned about you. He sees you. He knows every part of your being. You're gonna make it. Sometimes you just need to remind yourself, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. It's gonna be okay. I love how the angel comes to him and doesn't like rebuke him. The angel just says, here's some food and bread. Like, you have a physical need. Let's take care of that. Then we'll get ready. He doesn't go up and say, you man of faith, what's wrong with you? Why are you hiding under this broom bush? Did not you just see what I did with the prophets of Baal? I came down with fire and took off. Like, he doesn't do that at all. No, he sends the messenger to encourage him. He's like, kicks over some food. Here's some food. Like, get up and eat, you know? And strengthened by that food, and sleep, 
He gets up and he travels 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Oreb. Now, Mount Oreb, if you're not familiar, or to Oreb, where the Mount Sinai was, if you're not familiar with that area, Mount Sinai was a special place in the Old Testament because that's where God chose to dwell. He chose, there was many supernatural experiences people had encountering God at Mount Sinai. In, 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 in the Old Testament, God chose that place to dwell externally. In the New Testament, God chooses to dwell within us. His Spirit lives in us internally. So here he is. He finds himself in a cave. And I, I love this reminder from uh, Pastor Chris Hodges. He said this, you're not a temporal being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a temporary human experience. You have to remind yourself that. I'm a spiritual being. I'm just having a temporary human experience. Anxiety, depression, fear. I'm, I'm, having a, I'm a spiritual being. I'm gonna live forever. The worst thing that could happen to you isn't the worst. The worst thing that can happen to you, you die. Okay, and where will you be? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're gonna be in heaven like that. That's the worst thing that could happen to you? Eternity? Like, what's the worst they could do? So I wanna, I wanna give you a few steps. I have five steps, if you're taking notes, five really practical things that you can implement if you ever find yourself in a cave. Number one, step into recovery. Step into recovery. Stepping into recovery for you could be as simple as eat and take a nap, all right? So as your pastor, I'm prescribing to you today Eat a delicious lunch of whatever you like and maybe have a nap. Like, University of California recently came out with a report, talked about um, uh, nap time, and they said this. This is uh, research that came out from University of California. 60-minute naps improved memory as much as eight hours of sleep. Short naps of just 20 minutes have shown big benefits as well. And to top it all off, the study revealed that occasional napping can lead to 12% decrease in heart disease, and daily napping can lead to 37% reduction in heart disease. Come on, somebody said, I, need, I just need a nap. All the moms in the room are like, amen, pastor. <laughs> psalms 90 verse 12, Moses wrote one of the psalms, and, and it says this, teach us to number our days. Help us recognize how few they are. Help us to spend the time as we should. Help us, like this is, this is temporary, man. So back to, back to Elijah. So people ask a lot of times, like, how do I, how do I get a word from, how do I get a word from God? How do I get into God's presence? I want to encounter him. Check this out. So 1 Kings 19, verse 9 says, then uh, he went into a cave. He spends the night and the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? When the Lord asks you a question like that, he already knows the answer anytime he asks you a question, but when he asks that, it's really for your benefit. It's like, what are you doing here? In other words, Elijah, lay it out. Lay it out. Talk to me. And so Elijah lays it out. He replies to him. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. This is what Elijah sounded like. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Like, that's how he feels. So he just vomits that on God. He's a good person to vomit it on. God can always take your vomiting, okay? So he just says that, 
And then in 1 Kings 19, 11, the Lord goes back to him and says, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. You need to, at some point, take a step into the presence of the Lord. It says, after the earthquake in 1 Kings 19, 12, after the earthquake, wait, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Some people are like, earth, wind, and fire. No, they did not come up with that, right? Do you remember? No, it's not, no. This is, this is the original earth, wind, and fire. The Lord wasn't any of that. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. So God does all these things to remind him, I'm God. And then he comes in a gentle whisper. Step number two that you need to take is step into a God encounter. I can't do it for you. Only you can do it for you. I can do my best to facilitate an opportunity for you. But you have to be the one that takes the first step. A lot of times in church, you know, we look for the dynamic, but God is in the intimate. He just wants to be close with you. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, be still, comma, and know that I'm the Lord, that I'm God. Be still. Be still. One of the best practices that you can have is taking a moment every day, taking a deep breath, maybe after your nap, <laughs> and just being still in the presence of God. Not with your spouse, not with your kids, not with your family. That's all great family prayer time. I'm for it. We do it. But you need to have just that time with God where you're just still and just, Lord, I'm here to encounter you. Will you meet with me? Will you speak to me? And when you do that from a sincere heart, the presence of God begins to show up and he begins to speak to you. The more you do it, the more encounters you have. The more encounters you have, the better your perspective is going to be. A change of pace and a change of place oftentimes changes our perspective. It's a quote by Mark Batterson, incredible author. That change of pace is slowing down. Be still. Be still. Pause. Sometimes when I pull into the house after a long day, I'll sit in my car just for like a minute or two. Take a breather, prepare my mind. I'm going to walk in my door and I'm going to give my best to those that are most important in my life now, my wife and my kids. And then enter in. Just be still and know that he's God. And you don't have to go and find God. There, there's, there's something that you can do that will actually have God come running to you. Let me prove it to you. It's in John 4.23. Jesus says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking. He's seeking such people to worship him. You want to encounter God, get God's attention? Worship him. Worship him. It's, it's the attractional quality. When you worship in spirit and truth, like you're really engaging. It's not karaoke on a Sunday morning. I'm really engaging with God. When you do that, he comes. Psalm 73 verse 16 says this, when I tried to understand all this, trying to make sense of everything, it troubled me deeply. 
until I entered the sanctuary of God. That's why it's so important. Don't stay home from church. Don't stay home. It's important not to stay home or stay back from that connect group that you're part of. You get there. When you get there, you're, you're opening, you're providing yourself an opportunity to encounter God. Back to Elijah, 1 Kings 19, verse 13 now. When Elijah heard it, when he heard this from the Lord, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood in the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They tore down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. That's, that's the challenge I'm having, right? This is a guy, what we're seeing in, in him, he lost, he's lost his confidence. 1 Kings 19, 15, then the Lord said to him, Elijah, go back the way that you came and go to the desert of Damascus. I want to just pause that because this is actually a very important part. When he says, go back the way you came, the way that Elijah came, when he got on that journey, he was under the broom bush, took the nap, the angel woke him up, said go. He goes to Oreb, he goes to Mount Sinai. The way he came went through a town called Beersheba. Beersheba it actually means the place of the oath. So here's the prophet Elijah. He's kind of lost his way. He's lost his confidence. And God says, I want you to go back the way you can. I want you to go back to where you made that oath. I want you to go back to that moment where you said, God, no matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to live for you. No, God, what, I don't care about money, fame, fortune, nothing. All I want to do, I just want to serve you. My life is not my own. I just give it all to you. He's saying, Elijah, you need to go back to that place. You're out of balance. I want you to go back to that moment. Go back to that place. The third thing you need to do is to step into your true identity. Step into your true identity. What God says about you is more important than what any other person could say about you. Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So don't consent to it. Your words carry value, importance. It's one of the reasons we have these daily declaration sheets. And we have that we, we reprinted them because you guys took all the ones we had last time. We reprinted them, but we have them. And literally the whole front side is all these scriptures. And then on the back side is a reminder of the Ten Commandments, the fruit of the Spirit, and the armor of God. I do this every time I take my kids to school. We get about 15 minutes from school. And I said, all right, kids, it's time for daily declarations. And I take out these papers. We pass them all around the car and everybody has them. And then we start from the beginning and we just go through it all. And the kids get all like fired up and sometimes they're yelling and screaming and it's, it's like a war cry, like a bunch of banshees going out for battle, you know? And then, and then after we do that, then we go through, all right, let's review the 10 commandments, good rules for living, right? And so we review the 10 commandments and then we go through the fruit of the spirit and then we put on the armor of God. But I'm just going to read you a few of these that are on the daily declarations. I'm a mighty man of God and I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. Telling you, when you start to read these, it's like the Holy Spirit just goes, you get a little bit stronger, a little bit more confidence. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 14. I'm a child of God, John 1, 12, righteous and holy, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. As a child of God, I live a life free from sin. God protects me and evil can't touch me. Signs, miracles, and wonders follow me wherever I go, Hebrews 2, 4. The world knows that God is in me because his power radiates through me. Matthew 5, 14. 
I am bold, confident, and very courageous. Joshua 1.9, come on. And that's just like five of the scriptures. You go through it, you read all of those that we placed in there. I'm telling you what, you get out of your prayer closet, you're gonna be like, give me my sword. I'm ready to go to battle, you know? Be like a warrior coming out for the boxing fight last night, right? Daily declarations. So back to Elijah, 1 Kings 19. When you get there, he tells him, I want you to do this. I want you to go back to where you came from. And he says, when you get there, anoint Haziel, anoint Jehu, and I want you to anoint Elijah to succeed you as prophet. So in other words, set these two guys up as king, and then this guy, Elijah, S-H, Elijah, I want you to anoint him as, as a prophet that's gonna succeed you. And then he goes on to tell him in verse 18, he says, Elijah, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You think you're the only one, brother? You're not the only one. I got 7,000 that are hidden away that are ready to jump and, and stand with you. Like, don't feel, you don't have to do this alone. So step four, the reminder from God is that you need to step into a new assignment. Step four, step into a new assignment. Listen, if you wake up every day and your life consists of just paying your bills, you're gonna end up in a cave, man. Like if your sole motivation is just I'm just working a job and I'm paying my bills and I go home, I get up and you're gonna lack motivation, you're gonna lack purpose, you're gonna feel dead inside at some point, you'll end up finding yourself in a cave. But in Luke 12, 31, Jesus says, if you follow my ways, he will always give you all you need from day to day if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Don't let these things be your primary concern. Let the kingdom of God be your primary concern. Proverbs 29, 18, for where there's no vision, the people perish. Man, he doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to live abundantly. So going back, so in closing, you want to focus, number one, the first step is, I love how the angel didn't address his spiritual need before his physical need. You just sometimes need to go back and address the physical. What's the physical need you have? What's going on? Let's get that right, right? Let's focus on recovery. And then you're recovered, all right, now, let's step into a God encounter. God encounters, you can fast, you can pray, worship. We have the daily prayer card with you. If you need the daily prayer card, it just outlines the, the, the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, which is really for us. Just helps to serve as a guide and kind of keep your, your prayers kind of on track. And if, you, if you're like me, when I learned to pray, I just needed something to kind of track with. This will help, the daily prayer card will help you do that. And then your identity. Your identity is founded in God's word. Get, get that daily declaration, begin to declare Refind your purpose. Find your mission again, right? Somebody on mission, psychologists, psychiatrists, secular and, and, and Christian alike, they all agree that one of the best things that you can do when you find yourself in a moment of despair is get a project. Focus on something. Focus on building somebody else up. Focus on a project that you wanna do and accomplish. Get your eyes off of yourself. So purpose, focus on eternal things. And then number five, the fifth, the fifth one, is to step into relational strength. Step into that relation, get that, those godly relationships. And for us here at Authentic Church, we have what we call connect groups. Connect groups is simply, it's like, it's dinners. It's dinners with a bunch of other people from the church. We get together, we hang out, we have dinner, we open the Bible, we read a little bit. If anybody is going through something, we say, hey, how can we be praying for you? It's awesome. 
And if you're new to the church, it'll be a free dinner for you. So just go hang out at one somebody's house for dinner. That may be your only motivation today. I just want a free meal and a nap. <laughs> so get involved in a connect group. You know, Jesus Christ is truly the antidote. Like there, 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 there are medicines that they have out there that, that are fantastic at numbing the pain, but they don't get to the root of it. Jesus gets to the root of it. And if you're taking medication, I'm not telling you get off medication. You consult your doctor on that. What I am saying is really ask the Lord, what is the source? Where is it? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is that, that healing power that can get to areas that no medication will ever be able to get to. He's done it in my life. He's done it in countless other lives that are sitting here in this room. He really, truly is the ultimate antidote against everything. I'm going to ask Kara to join me up at the front as we close today. You may be sitting here today and you're listening to this, and it might have been like drinking from a fire hose, and I get that. And if I could just break it down in the beautiful, most simple terms that I could, is Jesus truly is the answer. Counseling is great. Great, great principles. Those books, those resources I mentioned earlier, phenomenal. They'll take you on a journey. The base of it is Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here, and you're like, you know what, I... I don't have a relationship with Jesus, so I really don't even know how to talk to him. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, lean into the questions you might have when it comes to faith. Christianity is not some religion where you check your brain at the door. No, you have questions. God gave you a brain for a reason. You have questions in your mind. God wants to answer those questions for you. He, he wants to provide clarity for you. Like he's the best communicator out there, man. You don't have to wonder what he's thinking. He's not a woman. <laughs> Come on, that was a good joke. Come on, that was a good. It's okay to laugh in church. All right, I lost all the women. You don't have to wonder what he's thinking. He wants to show himself to you. He wants to speak to you. He's incredible. He's the best father I've known. Loved me, encouraged me, felt like I blew it, felt like I had no hope. Oh man, I promised you I wouldn't do, and now I did. <sighs> what a loser am I? He's like, you're not a loser. You're my son. Get up. Get back up. Some of you just need to hear, you're not a loser. Get back up. Get back up, man. And today, maybe after service, go eat a good meal and take a nap. Maybe that's all you need. Surround yourself with some good friends. Get to a connect group. Don't do life alone. You weren't created. God said, it's not good to be alone. That wasn't good. Only you surrounded in community. He wants to encounter you today. And an encounter with God comes through Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He came as the image of God that people didn't see and know that they could talk, learn from, glean from. He showed him. He showed them the way of life. He brought healing. He brought salvation. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be saved. I hope you'll be saved. 
Hope it works out. No, you will be saved. If you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. You're saved. You're saved. But he doesn't want to stop there. He wants to take that home. He doesn't want a prayer in a church. He wants to live in your heart and your home on all the days of the week. I'm going to have us just all stand as we close today, and I just want to pray for you. And we're going to end our time here at Authentic Church, and I'm going to pray. We're going to dismiss. But as we dismiss, if you could be kind and sensitive to uh, people that need prayer, we're going to open up the front of our building, and we're going to have prayer. And if you've dealt with, maybe, maybe, maybe you're dealing with some thoughts of depression, anxiety, maybe you're just feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you're just feeling a sense of heaviness that you, man, it's like I, I feel like I get one step ahead and then I'm knocked down. And then I get one step again and then I get knocked down. And you feel like this pattern is persisting. Let's pray with you today and let's see that pattern broken. Amen. And so if you need prayer for anything today, we're going to have the prayer team just kind of stand up front now at this time. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And if you need to go, man, God bless you. Hope you have an awesome week. I hope this message strengthened you. I hope that God whispers some of these points into your heart and your mind all throughout the week. And I hope you don't miss next week because we have Nicole Edgmond who's going to be speaking, sharing, teaching us on going even deeper into some of these things. She's brilliant. She's not just a great communicator for women. She's a brilliant communicator, period, for the body of Christ. She's a gift to this house. I hope you don't miss it. I think, I know you'll be very, very blessed by what she has to share next week. But if you need to go, you'll be blessed. If you would like prayer for anything, we never want to end a time together on Sunday morning without praying for the needs of this house. Let me pray a blessing over you and then we'll dismiss. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for encouragement today. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us we're gonna make it, that it's gonna be okay. God, I thank you that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And God, we just put ourselves in that camp and Lord, we say, I love you. I wanna be used for your purpose. God, would you help me? Help me in this moment. Help me with what I'm dealing with. Help me with what I gotta deal with when I get home. Give me wisdom. God, I pray that you would strengthen me. I pray, Father, for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Would you come and flood my heart, my mind, my spirit? Would you help to lead me into all truth? Would you keep me from evil, God? Would you put a shield around me? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your kindness that leads men to repentance. And God, today, I just pray if there's anybody that's far from you, I pray today that they would turn back to you, that they would repent and they turn away from those things that are not of you, those relationships, those habits that are pulling them down and that they turn to you. Put down the shovel. Put down the shovel, turn to God. I pray the peace of God would be with you. In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.